hard work, your professionalism, and your dedication. And I, you have written your own inspiring chapter in the great Laker history. And to Laker Nation, we have been through a, a heartbreaking tragedy with the loss of our beloved Kobe Bryant and Gianna. Let this trophy serve as a reminder of when we come together, believe in each other, incredible things can happen. Laker Nation, when it's safe, I look forward to celebrating with you. Until then, I will bring back the trophy to Los Angeles where it belongs. What's up, NBA fans? This is the NBA Second Stringers NBA podcast. Uh, coming at you day after the Lakers win game six and ultimately winning the 2020 NBA championship in Orlando in the bubble October 11th when this bubble first started back back in July it felt like it was forever to get to this moment it almost felt unreal that we would actually get here without any big interruptions in terms of coronavirus cases i mean we ultimately did have a big interruption with the nba boycott for good reasons there was so much uncertainty whether we would actually get here and see an nba champion let alone see the lakers uh be the champions but here we are the pieces aligned and the nba has crowned the lakers as the champion taking down the miami heat in a, in a six-game series, making their journey through the Western Conference and the Miami Heat as well, making their tough journey through the Eastern Conference um, and and giving us a hell of a series here that at one point looked like could have easily been a sweep um, and at one point also looked like Miami could have pushed this to seven games, but six games is all it took for LeBron James and the, and the Los Angeles Lakers to win this series. And Commandedly, I think one of the biggest quotes of that whole ceremony, Jeannie Buss's speech overall, I think was great. One of the best I've heard. But I think this line from LeBron James really sealed what 2020, 2019 was for the Lakers. And he said, we just want our respect. Rob wants his respect. Coach Vogel wants his respect. Our organization wants to respect. Laker Nation wants to respect. And I want my damn respect too. He said it a little bit better than I just did, but I think... The context of it definitely matters here. I mean, our friends at 538, Nate Silver and that side, we constantly refer reference them and their stats never even had the Lakers at a high percentage until I think the Lakers won game game three against Miami that they have the higher percentage chance of winning the championship throughout. They were had the lower odds. Uh, and I don't think ESPN ever truly gave the Lakers their respect. Everybody signing on to the Clippers or um, the Bucks. And but it was the Lakers who prevailed here, and what what a great series, what a great year! Uh, crazy stat here: since 1980, Los Angeles has won 11 titles. Now that's the same number of championships if you combined all of the Western Conference franchises. So just to give you an idea, just of how monumental it is for the Laker brand to be back on top. Well, Alan, you want to? I have another crazy stat for you. You want you want to know how many more championships that is than the Los Angeles Clippers? <laughs> yeah, it's 11. 11. <laughs> man, but yeah, all hats off to the Lakers, man. I mean, this was a tough, tough environment to win in and they're going up against a team that seemed perfect for the type of environment. The Heat the Heat were 
I guess alongside the Phoenix Suns, we'll say, like the ideal team for this bubble environment, both thriving really well. The Lakers had a lot of question marks going into the playoffs, even after the shaky eight-game regular season in the bubble, if they were even ready for it. And it turns out that they were the most ready for it. And they, they locked it in when they needed to. Mm-hmm. They played playoff basketball when they needed to. And, the, and it really turned out that they were just trying to figure out their rotations and uh, get their guys back in shape. They weren't coming out of the gates extremely hot, but they didn't need to. They, they played it out perfectly. Uh, I, I think that, that really goes without saying at this point because they just won the freaking championship. But, yeah, just... It just goes to show, man, a LeBron-led team always has has a great chance of winning the title, and, and he really deserved that finals MVP at the end of the day. And uh, Anthony Davis and crew, they, it was a great game from the Lakers all around, let's be honest. Like, the, the whole team stepped up. Like, this, this game six, th- yeah. this was the Lakers in their full force, and it did take the Heat winning game five to really awaken it. And we hadn't really seen what the Lakers were capable of, and they just completely came out and showed their dominance, asserted their dominance on this team who they are clearly more talented than, but they, they were getting given a run for their money, man. And, and yeah, all hats off to the Heat as well. I mean, way better than any season they could have projected uh, before the, the offseason. And we were already writing them off as a maybe fringe playoff team at the start of the season to get all the way to the finals and to even take two games against the Lakers here as heavy underdogs, I think uh, it deserves mad respect. But Lakers are champions, man. I'm sure you're still a little tired from celebrating late last night, huh? (laughs) I was celebrating that second quarter performance. I mean, the whole first half performance was some of the best basketball I have ever seen. Easily the best I've ever seen this team play. I thought I had seen their best in in the game five against Denver with LeBron closing it Mm -hmm. out the way he did. I thought I saw this team at its best. Also in in a in the game five against the Houston Rockets, and they somehow figured it out and came out blazing, building. I think the couple games that stand out to me is that game five against Denver, game five against Rockets, game two against Portland. Some of the best games I've seen from this team, and this blows all three of those games mm-hmm. out of the water. Suffocating Oof. defense. I mean, I don't know if it's the 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 fatigue. But I'm going to credit to also the adjustment, Frank Vogel going with Alex Caruso, going with the best defensive lineup that the Lakers have had in this series with LeBron James, Green, Davis, Caldwell Paul, and Alex Caruso, which is definitely opposite of what you would think of LeBron, Howard, Green, Davis, and Pope. But that was actually the worst mm-hmm. defensive lineup against his Miami team who was going small, going quick, and shooting well from three. But Against this lineup, Miami was not able to get to the hot start that they had gotten used to. And the Lakers just really crippled this team down to 36 points at the (laughs) half. I mean, the Lakers alone had 36 in the second quarter. And ever after that, monumentous and one play from Caldwell Poe to go up by 30. I was starting to get me in a dancing (laughs) mood. And it started to really feel like this is going to happen. Like it didn't really feel like there was another, there was a bigger punch Miami could have taken out here to make this a close game. But I mean, it is the playoffs. Anything is possible. And in the third quarter, it was the same story. And this game was, and I'm surprised like they, both teams were playing their lineups up until the three minute mark, four minute mark in the fourth quarter. But this game fell over. uh, I think, towards the end of the second quarter there, like the third quarter felt like a formality. And by the fourth Miami was still fighting, but 
it, the matches was not working on their side and the Lakers were just were just being Laker basketball, Laker defense and Laker offense and it was just too yeah. much to handle. And you could definitely tell that the Lakers did go into sort of an autopilot mode at the start of the fourth. I bet they even made you sweat a little bit on when they they gave up a like <laughs> what, like 10 points at the start of the fourth quarter. They they cut the lead to like 21 <laughs> with like 8 minutes left and you're just like, "Oh man." Yeah. Then they brought back in the starters and they were able to lock it down a little bit. But I mean, it just goes to show they respect this team. You know, they like you have you have LeBron yep. playing pretty much the same amount of minutes he played in any of these other games, even though this was a complete blow. I mean, he played forty one minutes. They they made sure that this Heat team got put down because they they know what they're capable of and they don't want to take any chances. I mean, this you're not gonna have to play another game after this. Why take any chances? So you get AD with thirty five minutes. You get LeBron with forty one minutes. And what is already a blowout game i mean they only actually won by 13 points so they really did let off quite a bit in that fourth quarter um but at the end of the day i mean it was a blowout win and man this heat team gave it their all you could tell like like you said the fatigue definitely Mm -hmm. played a big factor but the only reason they were so fatigued is, is because this laker team made it so hard for them to even win the two games that they did yeah, and it took it took big Laker mistakes to give the Heat to crack the door open for the Heat to take advantage of it. And credit to them, like they really were a head scratcher. I could tell for Frank Vogel and the team, they weren't really able to assert their will onto the series the way they had previously. Uh, so I mean, Eric Spolster forced Vogel to adjust, and fortunately for this Laker team, continues being the storyline. I think overall through this playoff is. This is a versatile team, and every guy is ready to step up. If it's Dwight Howard who needs to take on 20 minutes, he's doing it. Uh, or if he needs to go back to the bench and you give those minutes to Caruso, he takes it on. And he played a hell of a first half, probably the best first half of basketball this man, if not the best forty, the best basketball game Alex Caruso has ever played. Just on the defensive side, like he was everywhere. Danny Green, same thing offensively, like just wasn't there again, but... It, we didn't really need it. Um, and you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Rondo, a perfect six for six in the first half, looking to end this as well. I mean, it, the shot was there. Miami has, you know, when you give, when you pack the paint against LeBron, you give up a little something. And that's what they were giving up. And Rondo took full advantage of that. And LeBron James finishing with 28 points, 14 rebounds, 10 assists, his three finals MVPs. And Miami Heat, just no answer here. 5 for 12 from the free throw line. 34% from the field. 18 rebounds versus 29 from the Lakers. And I I kind of made these notes as like, to me, these kind of stand out as some stats that reflect a bit of the fatigue underneath the legs of these Miami Heat players. Uh, You know, it gets a little harder to knock those free throws when the legs are heavy and the arms are heavy and the shooting is just not always there. You can't, you're not really finding the open cuts Quite as much as you were before, running off the off the pin down picks to the three. It's not really there. The rebounds, uh, and this Laker team just—I mean, I can't really say enough about it. Rondo six for six again, fifty-four percent shooting from the field. Uh, All everything was just firing all good. If it was a perfect (laughs) script, perfect script for a first half to just cruise Mm -hmm. in the third quarter and essentially start your dance midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, and get ready for the ser- for the <laughs> yeah, get championship those, get ceremony. Get those champagne goggles on early, huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I mean, th- this first half, 
they that was it that was the entire game i think it, it, this resembled mm-hmm. game two more than anything it was just not even a game in the second half it was more of like something you put on in the background because it was so uncompetitive and it totally masks different storylines you get out of the Miami Heat side of things where it's like Gordon Dragic came back and played this game miraculously like that was crazy he played 19 minutes off the bench he looked okay he wasn't that good but like I thought that was pretty admirable I mean you had some pretty poor performances across the board. I think Jay Crowder, I have not seen someone get so frustrated and not punch somebody before. That that guy, he was so <laughs> frustrated with Anthony Davis, with LeBron's size. He just couldn't do anything against them. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like Jimmy Butler was checked out. I think he was very satisfied with his two victories that he got over the Lakers and the energy he yeah. gives, it just he can't I, give it in consecutive games. It's just too much to to handle. Exactly. Yeah. Five for ten from Jimmy Butler in forty four minutes, only ten attempts. Ten field, ten goal, field goal, attempts. goal attempts. One for two from three. You know, twelve points. I mean, and again, he was out there all the way up until the four minute mark in the fourth quarter. So he was there, and just no. No spirit, really. Like, the spirit was just absolutely crushed. Uh, I mean, Eric Spolster tried to throw other guys in there. Kendrick Nunn made one good shot. Uh, it looked like they were getting some rhythm there. And to Goran Dragic, I mean, when he did come in, in in the second quarter, he immediately threw a fantastic lob to Bam. And that was a little worrisome because it was like, okay, this guy might be the, the, the guy that Eric Spolster needs to just hide in the spirit, mm-hmm. get some more energy and inspire these guys to just fight for at least one more quarter because he could sense the game starting to really get away. But it just no. wasn't enough. <laughs> and Goran Dragic, you know, did what he did. Two for two for eight, uh, two assists, five rebounds. But this, this again, this Heat team looked overwhelmed, suffocated, and just... Yeah, uh, tapped out. At well, least I have to remember Butler, too, like this is a I team saw. where the only guy on this entire roster that's been to a finals before even is Andre Iguodala, and he only played mm-hmm. eleven minutes and pretty bad eleven minutes at, at that. He was a minus twenty on the game in those eleven minutes and was zero for two from the floor. And on the other side of it, I mean, you have all of the final experience you could possibly ask for, right? I mean, and that that's what it ultimately comes down to. Like, these guys have been here. They, they've been through the grind. They know how to get this far, and they know how to conserve their energy over the course of, of this series and of all the series, really, to to get to where they're at. And, and it really showed. And, man, LeBron... It's just incredible that this man's 35 years old. Like, we just need... We need to <laughs> appreciate that. It is just... It's unprecedented. I don't care if you're a Jordan lover or if you're a LeBron hater, man. Like, stop hating on LeBron, man. Like, this dude is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? I think this team is well prepared to to make another run at it next year. No doubt about it. With uh, hey, like he hasn't Anthony resigned Davis yet. Still <laughs> tapping further into his prime. That's true. That's true. But I guess my main point here is you never know what's going to happen next year. And this could have very well been the last great LeBron performance we saw in the NBA finals. I mean, you could be saying that we could have been saying that the last four years, but 13 for 20, 65% from the field, 28 points, like taking command right from the start, pushing the ball, making the the right defensive play, guarding Jimmy Butler right to start this game. Um, 
carrying the spirit of this team and making the right pass and also making the... I mean, there was one play where he drove... Jimmy Butler fouled him as he gathered the ball, fouled him again <laughs> after his first step, and then fouled him again in the air. And it was like, holy crap. Like, this man, that should have been six free throws. Like, it gets smacked in the head, gets arms pulled down, and still he almost managed to make that an and one play. And that's just the things he goes through night mm-hmm. in and night out. And especially in the playoffs, it happens all the time. And for him to keep his cool and composure... And still just, you know, be physically durable Seriously. to handle all those punches that 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 players throw at him. And and I don't blame Jimmy Butler oh, for going that to. hard. Yeah, <laughs> You're trying to you win. Don't You're trying to win. three of those times, he's getting an and one. <laughs> exactly. But that's just that's just who this guy is. He's just a physical phenom and who can, can who has somehow managed to continue playing this far into the playoffs and we talk about a guy also who makes the right play. I mean, Case made some great passes to KCP, who really came through in this series overall. I mean, the last couple games, this guy has been yeah. Is, is your KCP I mean, jersey on the way yet? Is that in the mail? <laughs> I, I'm gonna get it soon here, and yes, I was saying that I'm like, okay, if KCP does this again, I'm getting oh that jersey, gosh. and then he did it. I mean, nothing that completely stands out, but I mean, this Laker team has just kind of has not really had that third guy in the, the traditional way that most LeBron teams have. It's been more of like one guy goes 11, one guy gets 15. But KCP in these finals has really stepped up where Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green have not. And 17 points again tonight for him, six for, thir- six for 13. And last game as well, hitting a, a clutch three and a clutch go-to butt bucket, a clutch layup. Um, so... I I just I just feel super happy for all these guys and it's a wide team effort to take down this tough Miami team, but they did. Yeah, it. it's pretty incredible. And KCP averaging twelve point eight points on the series, which that's what you need. Like you just need those double digit points mm-hmm. from another starter on this team, and he gave it to them. I mean, obviously his percentages weren't great overall, but. I think just his energy and the contribution he gave really in the last three games of this series series were was a big contributing factor because when it was 2-1, I mean, th- there was still a lot up in the air at that point. And you weren't sure if like this was the start of a Miami getting the momentum. And that game four win for the Lakers was pivotal because that, that was a really good game. That could have gone either way. Um, mm-hmm. But KCP came in really well in that game too. And that that's, it just goes to show like you can have two superstars – but at the end of the day, you still need your other teams teammates to, to step up or else it means nothing. I mean, look, look at the, the Clippers for crying out loud. It's like you have your two superstars. <laughs> none of your other guys step up. You're just as good as any other team. Like, you might as well be the Charlotte Hornets at that point for all I'm concerned, concerned with. But mm-hmm. Exactly. And in this finals series after game one, we the Lakers struggled to find who the third option was going to be. Um, or I should say after after game at game three and, and moving forward, um, it looked Danny Green was just not stepping up. Kyle Kuzma was not there. Uh, Rondo was doing as much as he could. But KCP became that guy in game four. Uh, in game five, almost won it, but, you know, came up short. But if the Lakers had come through with that victory, we'd also be talking about KCP's heroics down the stretch to help get that W. And game six, again, he also came out on the offensive end in the first half to really help this team punch through 
and and take this win. And I think ultimately, yeah, when you look back at this Laker team overall with the uh, from a numbers perspective, nothing will really be that impressive outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I think it's sort of just the nature of this team is they're such a gritty defensive team that don't really, as far as their role, players outside of Davis and LeBron don't really step up no. the stat sheet, <laughs> but I definitely won't forget the contributions from these guys and how scrappy they were and how tough they really played uh, from since game from that blowout loss against Portland to this fantastic first half against Miami. And I want to say a blowout, but it obviously did it end up being blowout. 13 it was a points blowout. at the end, but it was a blowout. Yeah, <laughs> but this was this was a blowout. And I think, you know, another another crazy thing about this team is the adjustments. They adjust to, to their opponent and they and they make it work. And the Miami Heat was definitely credited with their zone defense, their ability to pack the paint, punish teams from the outside. And the Lakers' Achilles heel, from my perspective, was always a three-point mm-hmm. shot. If you force the Lakers to shoot the three and beat you from out there, then you had a chance to potentially beat them. And Miami Heat did that well, but the Lakers managed to make 84 three-pointers in the NBA Finals, which is actually the most by any team in a six-game series wow. in the finals, surpassing the pure, the previous record of 76 by the Golden State Warriors in 2019. A stat that you wouldn't really think a team like this would, no. would achieve. They were, you know, average three-point shooting at best, but um, they found ways to still make it, yeah, make it that's work. Really, obviously, their attempts was <laughs> significantly, significantly higher than the Warriors. I will say that. That's crazy, though, that they made more than them. That just goes to show they knew... That to beat the zone defense, you have to shoot the open three-point shot. And just because they're not good at them, it doesn't mean you don't go with it. I think that's where Boston was running into a lot of problems with it, was that they wouldn't shoot the open shot as much. Like, they would try to drive. And to their defense, they don't have a driver as good as LeBron James. So it wasn't as effective. But LeBron was able to cut and slice through the zone defense all day anyway. I mean, there was no stopping this guy. The zone was not going to stop him. You weren't going to stop him man on man. When he's in that zone, this is what makes him one of, if not the greatest of all time. He's just unstoppable. There's no one you can put on him that's going to make things difficult. He's going to find a way around anybody or anything that's in his way. And luckily, the Lakers were able to to bring enough alongside of him. I mean, 84 three-pointers is crazy. Just shows you where the league has gotten to at this point. Like, this is unheard of. Like, even just five years ago, like, predating that Warriors team. But this is the league now. And the, the Lakers adapted and they evolved with it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you could you could make the argument that it is the times like for an average team to beat this record. Maybe next year the next team beats it, you know, and it just yeah. continues being this <laughs> this pattern of the team beating it the previous year, but still just pointers. like <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the Lakers shot the ball. They you know they made the right passes like that. Danny Green open at the top of the key. The Lakers have made that pass throughout the series. And they don't go in at a high clip, mm-hmm. but through enough volume, Mike D'Antoni philosophy, through enough volume, you might just make enough to win. And I, I mean, obviously, this series wasn't won on the Lakers' no. incredible three-point shooting. It was more on defensive side, but just just the fact that they made, they were able to win through this, take this point of little pat on the back of 84th made three-pointers, I think is yeah. pretty Danny incredible. Danny Green wasn't all bad. <laughs> he, he, cred- he gets credit yeah. for a good chunk of those threes. 
Exactly. And I think the, the special thing here is the Lakers winning this championship is sort of talking about how the Lakers even truly got here. And it's always been about the versatile pieces I think we saw in this playoffs. The Lakers cannot run you, scoring the third most turnovers of any playoff team. Their defense can just generate those turnovers for stops as they ranked as the third best defensive team this year and also third best in forcing forcing opponent turnovers. So, And when you turn the ball over against this team, there's no stopping an Anthony Davis and a LeBron James on the break. And Rondo ending the playoffs with 105 assists off the bench, a new NBA record for a player who's played at least one game in the playoffs. A guy who stepped up going 32% shooting from three in the regular season to 40% in the playoffs. So playoff Rondo (laughs) is a real thing. You know, you got Dwight Howard, you know, stepping up when he needed to. Caruso, uh, every lineup that had Caruso in it was in the top, like in the top five for Lakers uh, team lineups in terms of defensive rating. So this guy always brought it night in and night out. Small guy, but man, the dude can just can just really step into the passing mm-hmm. lanes. And obviously Anthony Davis, probably, if not in my opinion, definitely the best player to ever play alongside LeBron. 27 points per game, 57% from the field, 38% shooting from behind the arc in these playoffs. I mean, when you look at who LeBron has played with, only two players have averaged more than 20 points per game alongside him, that being Kyrie and Davis. However, Davis is almost seven-footer. Mm-hmm. And has actually averaged more points than LeBron through the playoffs. So, I mean, it's just one stab. But still, I think looking at Davis out there on the floor, he just brings so much more than Kyrie ever brought, I think, uh, as, a, as a teammate of LeBron in the Cleveland in the Cleveland Cavalier days. Yeah, for days. sure. I mean, the, the supporting cast for LeBron was fantastic. And it obviously, it starts with Anthony Davis. But I think kind of talking to a point, what you mentioned uh, pretty early in the podcast today, is just the versatility and their willingness to change up the the lineup was such a huge part of them winning this championship. And it's something that I think you see a lot of the teams that went out earlier in the playoffs, they didn't have the ability to adapt or they weren't willing to adapt and stuck, stood stubborn by their standard rotations and their standard gameplay. The Lakers always switched it up whenever they needed to. When it was Houston, they went small. When it was Denver, they went big. When it was Miami, they did whatever they needed to do. Like they they started big and they mm-hmm. went small and it and it worked to their favor. I mean, so much. I mean, we saw Caruso just. I mean, Caruso grew up a lot in these playoffs. I think this is going to be huge for his career. Just looking towards the future, because I mean, like you said, his defensive abilities in this. I think I think he was largely underrated in his defensive game before these playoffs and even before these finals. But when you see him just with get his arms in, onto those passes and really just make life hell for whoever he's guarding and mm-hmm. his IQ for the game is really high on that end it's just I, I, he's gonna be a really good piece for the Lakers for a while I don't see him going anywhere and then obviously having the veterans and Rondo and Howard there um, even JaVale McGee willing to take a back seat you know when he's not needed he's just the biggest cheerleader on the court over there on the sideline and uh, even had Jared Dudley is a great cheerleader too but it is an all-around effort for this Laker team, man. It's super impressive. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think the biggest highlight of JaVale. I think in the Portland series when uh, Portland was going Hassan Whiteside and Nurkic, we, we at on the other end threw Davis, JaVale, Davis, mm-hmm. Howard, yeah. you know, and it was just like 
we got more seven footers and they're ready to step in and just make life hell. And we saw it towards the end, Nurkic was done. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was could not wait for the series to be over. Um, and in Denver again, Dwight Howard making making life hell for Jokic. Um, you know, this man just really stepping in and being okay with not being a star player, not not you know walking away with points and double digit figures and double doubles. He was willing to be the zero points and 11 yeah. rebounds and two blocks type of guy. And it's exactly what this Laker team needed. Alex Caruso. Yeah. I mean, what a great, great piece to have continued to keep, uh, keep under the Laker wing. I mean, he went undrafted and played in that summer league with the Lakers, went to the G league, played again in the summer league that year when they won the champ, the summer league championship uh, and and just coming back and forth between the Lakers and credit to the organization for not letting this guy go and continuing to keep him under the Lakers umbrella. And and now I think he's well, he should deservingly be. I mean, he's got one more year from the contract he's got. So but I think if if this is definitely a guy that we got to if we, if we just have mm-hmm. to keep. He he is a Laker now, I think, in, in everybody's yeah, for eyes. Sure. And obviously funds are going to come into play, right? You're going to be paying LeBron yeah. upwards of $40 million to stay. You're going to be paying Anthony Davis pretty close. So, I mean, to keep everyone is, is going to be a stretch. And, and uh, maybe that's a topic for a future uh, podcast as we get into the, the off season. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you do whatever it takes to keep this team together because that's your best shot at another title run. But, yeah, I, I love Caruso, man. I love to see him stay. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think here, just the final thoughts on close to close the podcast off. Um, the organizational, you know, the, the Lakers history. organizational yeah. path to getting here. <laughs> like, it's just crazy so much looking chaos, back at the last man. 10 years. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know if it's because the Lakers are in such public eye for the same reason of just being such a huge brand, but I really don't know of any other sports organization going through this stuff so mm-hmm. publicly. And, and it has to be said because... This roster doesn't happen without the without the efforts of Jeannie Buss, uh, Rob Palenka, and even Magic Johnson. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and a bit here, like it goes credit all across the board uh, to really make this turnaround to go from signing LeBron and being deep in the lottery, and, and then two years later, you you're NBA champions. And I think everything starts with the Kobe extension <laughs> way back. Uh, Lakers, Genie Bus, everybody taking huge fire over this extension that was given to to Kobe Bryant, and Genie Bus defended it to the end. And was it a I two think, year and, and the whole Bus family? Twenty five million was that? Yeah, to end the two year twenty five million. To, yeah, and at that at that time, we're talking almost thirty percent of mm. the cap. And when the Lakers were already struggling with an aging roster and no young pieces truly on that team. Uh, and you give all this money to Kobe. And I think more than anything, and at the time, Genie Bus, you know, made the bet that this would pay dividends in terms of like what the what this organization was and how it treats its players. And I think that ended up probably being one of the big reasons why LeBron ended up coming to the Lakers is he never really found that uh, that that type of caring relationship with an NBA owner, I think, in his stints and Miami yeah and no, I think that was a huge move because like you said it drew huge criticism because it's like they could start rebuilding now but they're choosing to put it off for another two years and just be terrible but the there was a lot of fighting going on about this uh, even in my friend groups when I was in college at the time and I remember one guy was like 
a total like Laker hater. Like he, he was a, he was a Golden State Warrior guy. And he's like, yeah, the Lakers suck. Like what a what a stupid move. But the Lakers fan was like, this is a great move. Like for one, we showed loyalty to our stars, and two, mm-hmm. we get massive revenue from jersey sales and ticket money. So it, it kind of works both exactly. ways. It's like you're not gonna get. Like, no one wants to watch, like, the Jordan Clarkson-led Lakers, and that's what they're trying to put off for as long as possible. Right. Exactly. So, from from a, that perspective, like, it obviously makes sense. From a salary cap perspective, you know, then you it does bring up the argument of, like, oh, you're giving a guy almost 30% <laughs> of the, your eligible money who's, who's not going to give you, you know, who's not going to take you to the playoffs at that point in the career, but... I mean, again, I think it it was the it was it was the right business move for those for the jersey sales. I mean, it ended up probably helping secure that contract with uh with Spectrum <laughs> Sports for the Lakers, which is like the huge punch of their yeah. salary. So billions of dollars there. So everybody loves a legend like Kobe. And again, I think the dividends in terms of loyalty and 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 the brand of who the Laker organization is in relations to how it treats its players. And then you move on from there to the total bad signings. Carlos Boozer, <laughs> Timothy Mog- oh. Mozgov, Lou oh. Dang, like really putting our organization in, in a hole and in parallel to that, just, just a year after those terrible signings, we go into lawsuits and legal battle over who truly owns this team after Jeannie Bus tries to officially fire her oh. own brother, <laughs> Anmich Kumchek, as head of basketball operations and this whole thing and they you know attempt a coup to take her mm-hmm. take her off and and then they as they attempt to also sell the family funds and family shares of this team and then we move on to Luke Walton being hired uh which i mean at the time is a was a great hiring i thought it was you know, really developing but. the young guys <laughs> yeah exactly and then we go to magic johnson and and rob Polenka. Uh, interesting hiring. I mean, a lot of criticism again because you hire a, a, an agent, first time, first time GM who who was an agent, and now you turn him into a general manager. You hire Magic Johnson, who has no actual basketball <laughs> operations leadership experience other than just being the name and the player, and you give them the heads of this of this Laker organization who's deep in a hole and has high expectations, and and neither of these guys signed up to work together either. It was clearly evident. You know, the Magic Johnson signed up for the job. He didn't sign up to work alongside Rob mm-hmm. Palenka. Um, but in criticisms, you know, Rob Palenka seems to carry his bad shade from people. But it ended up working out. You know, they they made the moves, got the salary cap in a well-placed spot. Magic Johnson got his guy. We got LeBron James. Failed the mm-hmm. Davis trade. Uh and now Dell Demps has, you know, lost his job over that, and now he's in the slums. We might never see Aww. him as a general manager. <laughs> Sad. And it, and then that leads obviously to the infamous Magic Johnson interview, quitting in the public eye, and then a day later jumping on ESPN first take with one of the loudest, <laughs> most dramatic, polarizing voices in sports media with Stephen A. Smith and. Just really throwing everybody, not named Genie Bus, kind of under the yeah. bus here. Just, you know, hinting at a lot of a lot of bad points on Rob Palenka, and really hinting that he just never really had the power that he thought. And it seemed like there was a crossroads here over the Luke Walton firing, and and at that moment, Genie Bus instead of firing Rob Palenka and moving on from this mess, promotes him, and Rob really stepped in there and 
fired Luke Walton and and built a brand new team that is now the NBA champions. Man, what a ride! What a crazy yeah. wild ride! And we yeah, if we looked at all the other organizations, I don't think you'd see just as much animosity, chaos, deception, corruption ups and downs as we've seen with the Lakers over the last six years, but it ultimately culminated in an NBA championship in 2020 with LeBron at the helm with Anthony Davis there after the failed trade, making it there. And you couldn't be any happier with how it happened because of that. Yeah. It's, this looks like the straight storyline when we have it mapped out like this from a some HBO oh, so drama. Be an epic, like epic that's... thirty for thirty. <laughs> oh yeah, this is just like that first take interview. Like I watched it, and I was just like, "My God, how how did the Lakers ever recover from this?" And then just a couple <laughs> days later, you know, Rob Palenka's got to give a press conference <laughs> to announce the hiring of Frank right. Vogel. Who we also and that obviously was those questions. too. We're like, oh, he's just a placeholder exactly. for Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it ended up being the perfect guy mm-hmm. for the job. Like just Frank Vogel's demeanor and personality, just a very egoless guy and a dude who you can just tell he's kind of a dorky guy, <laughs> um, <laughs> awkward guy, but you can tell the man loves basketball and uh, and and has has built a great relationship with LeBron after being longtime rivals in the Eastern Conference. But he was the guy who somehow has convinced LeBron to play defense again. Mm-hmm. Something that I think probably hasn't been done since Pat Riley was able to get him to do that. And he just created this juggernaut of a Laker defense alongside the other guys on the staff, Jason Kidd, Phil Handy, Lionel Hollins, like great, great pieces and great signings also from Rob Dwight Howard, Ron bringing back Rondo, you know, actually signing Caruso to the official roster, Danny Green, KCP, and Marquise Morris might very well go down, I think, as the best buyout contract wow. in NBA You've history. You've already I think. forgiven him of that buyout. Game 5 turnover. Look at that turnaround. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I mean, there are so many big moments this man has given us through the through this journey. I mean, not big, but like just important moments uh, throughout the playoffs. And I think he has, he has to get, he has to get credit. I mean, and again, like some of these guys, I think one thing we also forget is that the Lakers were held handicapped by Kawhi Leonard during the summer he He held you hostage. He did everything he could to sabotage you guys pretty much. Everything within his own power. Exactly. Even trying to get Marcus Morris before you guys, but it turns out we should have let you have him. Because he's trash. <laughs> exactly. He, you know, we failed that. Clearly, the Lakers were in the trying to make a run for that trade. Ended up either either Rob Palenka walked off or or there was just a straight up no. But we ended up, get, I think, getting the better brother so in the buyout market. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, all these all this has paid dividends to, to this championship. But I think just reflecting here is incredible on the journey here and. The for Rob Palenka to finish seventh in executive of the year voting seems like such a crime now in hindsight. Right. And for Frank Vogel to not be coach of the year through what he's done through these playoffs from adjust from an adjustment standpoint, you know, motivating standpoint, and really getting doing the absolute maximizing what he absolutely could out of a lot of guys who's were at the towards the end of their careers, um, Rondo Howard and. 
I mean, you could make the argument that Le- LeBron's <laughs> – we're seeing the lesser side of LeBron even though that, that seems, seems crazy. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but Oh, yeah. But I guess it is yeah, what it he is. He gets mad respect, man. And, and then, yeah. I mean, in the offseason last season, we were probably like, oh, yeah, Frank Vogel's going to be out of there in like a year. But now that he's won this title, like you, this this man's here to stay. Like th- this dude earned all the respect. And I think as long as LeBron's there, I think Frank Vogel's there too. It's like – you really heard no chemistry issues there, no animosity in the locker room, no questioning of leadership. It was just a perfect system. Honestly, I, you never really heard any. And maybe, maybe there was stuff going on, but it never came out in the public, which when you're the Lakers is really hard to do. So <laughs> when you're and when you're the Lakers and when you're yes, LeBron, very, is really hard. Very. when it's a LeBron mm-hmm. team. Yeah, I mean, ESPN packed the Lakers with the same beat reporters they had in Cleveland and Miami. (laughs) So same people are there. For real. (laughs) So, yeah. So for this team to be, you know, I feel like uh, as mellow as it was, but it wasn't really a mellow year for the Lakers is incredible. I think Frank Vogel deserves credit. And I'm just really proud of Mm -hmm. this team and proud of this organization and so excited for what's next. Um, But here we are, Lakers 2020 NBA champions. I think enough said with after that. I mean, Sean, do you have any last thoughts here on this I season? I think we just we got to give one final shout out to Adam Silver, the the goat, the goat yep. commissioner yeah. of any major sports team. That this was absolutely flawless. I mean, he got every obstacle in his way and he made it happen, and it was perfect. No positive coronavirus tests. Um, almost got boycotted and was able to find a solution to that. And everything just ran so smoothly. And it was such a great experience from start to finish, I think, for, for all the fans that, that were, were watching. I, I were really able to step back and enjoy something, something special um, during this pandemic that we've all had to suffer through. So, man, all the kudos to him. I'm excited to see how, how he takes care of next season, but I think he's earned a little bit of a rest. They may give, give him a week off. <laughs> I think so, too. You're right. You know, the coronavirus, the the boycotts, uh, the geopolitical issues of China. Yeah, somehow that too. Be getting involved into that and and finding a way to still secure the bag for the rest of the league, mm-hmm. right? Like fulfilling local TV contracts, fulfilling the national TV contracts, crowning an NBA champion, um, building this, this, you know, giving us this product that was absolutely amazing. I mean, maybe I'm a bit biased for being a Laker <laughs> fan, but I think this were hell of exciting mm-hmm. NBA playoffs. Nobody knew what to expect, not even Silver, no. I think, and even the players themselves, but it ended up working out in uh, this NBA bubble. I'm going to remember it yeah, forever. This, I mean, I'm we're going to be those old guys that are going to be watching footage of like these games 30 years from now and not caring that it's like a total repeat and we know exactly what happens cuz it's just so it's going to be so amazing to reminisce and just remember what's been going on right now. Exactly. It's a it's a temu- it's a crazy crazy time we are living in, but within that crazy time, Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA staff and you know all the staff in, or- in Orlando and the players and team staff members all collaborated and worked great to to give the fans uh, a hell of an experience and something to look forward to every other mm-hmm. day. Uh, when it came down to NBA basketball, and at times every day when we were every deep day into starting the, the at 9 a.m. sometimes, man, it was the best. Yeah, that, exactly. That was a magical, magical <laughs> time. 
Yeah, and I don't know if we'll ever have anything close to that uh, again. I but... hope not, honestly, because I mean things are going back to normal. Yeah. But yeah, that would be crazy if it ever happened again. Yeah, but you know, everybody also who's tuned into our podcast episodes for this 2020 NBA season, thanks. Shout yes. out to you, and um, we'll come back with some more off-season preview episodes. Once we get a little more idea of when the draft is happening, when when the offseason free agency signing officially starts and when the new NBA season will also officially start. But for now, you know, it's the end. The Lakers, shout out to them. They are the 2020 NBA champions. Congrats, Alan. Congrats, Laker fans everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Have a good week, everybody.